0: Hey guys, welcome to the Bagged Boardcast, episode number 464. I am Chris.
1: I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being The Weekend Geek, bring us the top geek stories of the past week.
2: Next is the list, the comic books that are
1: coming out December
2: 15th, 2021... Then we follow it up with our weekly
0: rotating main topic, and this week it's time for our monthly look back. We're going to be taking a look back at some of the comic books we read in November 2021. So look forward to those coming later on in this episode.
1: As soon as we start counting down to hit record, I'm like, oh, I got to take a sip of my beer. And then I'm like, wait, there's not enough time before Chris gets through the intro and then throws it over to all of us saying our names. So... Now I'm stalling for time so you guys can take a sip of beer and talk about it. But that's
0: okay. Um, Did you take a sip of the beer already, Paul? Yes, I did. All right. Uh, Because we're continuing on with the 12 Beers of Christmas Sampler Pack from Clown Shoes Brewing. Uh, We did four of them on episode number 463. We're doing the next four today. And we are starting off with their Space Cake Double IPA.
2: Yeah, uh, and I think I said to, I said to Paul, Chris, when you left the room, like this isn't a bad beer, but it's a beer I don't need. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just like mm, yeah, this is a beer. Yeah, it's a double IPA. Uh, it's got a little sweetness to it. The malts are there. It's got a little bitter hop, but there's nothing that excites me about this beer. Yeah, this is a little bit harsher on that hop than I kind of like my.
0: IPAs or even my double IPAs to be now. Um, I definitely like a little bit more hazy, tropical, sweeter, juicy flavors. Um, I am on the Clown Shoes website right now, and Paul, this is uh, 50 IBUs, which stands for the International Bitterness uh, Units. Uh, also, 9% ABV, and I Chris, will say that it does hide that 9% quite well.
1: It's Christmas, yeah. Chris. It's Christmas. <laughs> And do you bring IBUs into this house? For shame, I love sir. For shame. Um,
0: yeah, I don't know. I <laughs> I have not had this beer since we had it last year for uh, the 12 beers of Christmas. I put it at a 3.75 then, and I feel like I do need to knock this one down. And actually, we had this... Exactly one year ago. I checked into it on December ninth, twenty twenty. So hey, <laughs> happy anniversary, space cake. Sorry your party's so lame.
1: <laughs> Ooh. You know what? It's an easy drinking double IPA. It's yeah, it's got nice big flavors. The yeah, they're not tropical. They're more the you know, piney kind of stuff, but they got a little bit of um not resin, but it's not a harsh like I don't feel like I just ate a bunch of pine cones. Like it's it's got that malt sweetness to help round it out. It's a nice rounded full flavor double i p a does it do I need this beer like John was saying, do I need this beer? no because I got too hearted I have hay burner i have um the other beers that i uh too juicy uh wrench well wrench is more tropical, too juicy i think. From two two is more like this. Um, too juicy is in New England. Okay,
2: that's why it's called too juicy. Yeah,
1: but uh, you know, two um, X IPA from Southern Gear. Yeah. You know, there's
2: there's a laundry list of other beers that are better than this. And yeah, it's not bad for a nine percent. It it hides it hides that well. Yeah. It's just not that style of beer I just I, I personally want to drink.
1: I find myself every once in a while wanting something
2: like this though. Like I'm See, like okay. Fiddlehead Ooh. and and second fiddle mm-hmm. are more leaning this way than New England, and I would say hands down both those beers are superior to this one.
1: Okay. And I've had Fiddlehead even- before on the show, and I did like that.
2: We had both. Remember you dropped but you stopped by and we exchanged. Oh, yeah. I had I had second and you uh-huh. had regular? Yeah. That's what happened. Yeah. And you know what else And that was a year ago. You know <laughs> what else happened? The news?
0: Some of the news that we're gonna be going back to the news garden to wrangle up. Uh for me the big thing that we actually got this past week, which really came as a surprise, was the seemingly coming out of nowhere uh, trailer for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which is the sequel to 2019's Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, but this one, also a part one, signifying that there's going to be two parts to the Across the Spider-Verse continuing the animated stories of Miles Morales. And man, I'm super jazzed for this. I just recently re- uh, re-watched Into the Spider-Verse. And that movie holds up so
2: well. Uh, I can't wait to get back into this Spider-Verse. Just a couple days ago, I think last weekend, I watched it three times in two days. Whoa. Uh, Because I shared it with my son. And he loved it. And we rented it on Amazon for like two bucks. And it was like, he wanted to watch it again. And I was like... Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely sit down and watch it again. Um, watching it with him, I was just like, this movie rocks. It is so, it is really good. And yeah, I, I was pumped when this came out and I didn't show him the trailer or tell him that there's a sequel because he doesn't,
1: <laughs> I don't think he understands. Uh, and what do you understand? What? October two thousand or is it Thanksgiving? 2022?
2: Mm, yeah, 2022 Yeah,
1: twenty twenty two. Yeah. 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 He wouldn't he's
2: he's not gonna he's not gonna understand. And it would be something that every day for the last um nine days, uh you wake him up in the morning, it's my birthday? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no bud. It's Christmas? No no no. You have and we count down the days and he's like, Oh, it's my birthday. Like no, bud, no, it's coming up. To mm-hmm. so tell him no,
0: you just keep going. Stop. Just don't
1: let him know. Like, don't yeah. even have his birthday. Just like completely mess with him. Be like, no, nah, no birthday this year. Birthday next year. <laughs> uh, I don't think that way. I, th- yeah, I think even as a as a
2: going to be three year old, that <laughs> wouldn't go over well. Yeah, he doesn't know. Yeah, no, you only get a birthday once every two years. Yeah. <laughs> And then
0: he will remember.
2: He will (laughs) remember. Anyways. uh...
1: I'm I'm pumped about it. Paul, big surprise that it was a part one. I think that was the biggest surprise of it. And also that, you know, I thought the Isaac, Oscar Isaac thing at the very end of the first movie was just, you know, kind of teaser like, oh, this could happen. And this trailer makes it like, no, no, he's definitely like a main character in this one coming up. And Spider Gwen is back, but we do. did we see any other Spider people? Not yet. Okay, but I was uh, you know because sometimes I only watched tra- like the trailer once, and I'm like, okay, cool, I got the information. No,
0: it definitely seems it's more but Miles traveling through alternate dimensions, and it looks oh. like most of the footage from the trailer is him while he's kind of. Dimension or a universe hopping. So, yeah, I'm excited to see what else we're going to get from it because, man, I love this flick. It's one of the best Spider Man movies.
1: So, this is the movie that both Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield are supposed to show up in, right?
0: They could. Yes. Who knows? At this point, <laughs> it could be in every other Spider Man movie from here on out. Uh, I can probably confirm, though, they are not going to be in the recently confirmed sequel to Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Uh, Marvel confirmed that they are going forward with a sequel to this. Director of the film, uh, Destin Daniel Cretton, will be returning, as well as handling a Disney Plus series, which they did not reveal what it will be, but I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't something outside of Shang-Chi, possibly something with like his sister and the Ten Rings, or who knows? I kind of floated out there in our pre-show discussion. I'd like to see him on an Iron Fist show, because give us a kick-ass Iron Fist. You know, like a time... And When I say time-hopping, I don't mean, like, quantum leap, but, you know, show us the legend of Iron Fist throughout the years. Like, the different people that have had the the power.
1: Oh, kind of like what they did with, uh, not the Mandarin, but the leader, you know, Shang-Chi's dad. Yeah. Yeah, where they explain his backstory throughout. History.
2: Okay. Yeah, I can
1: see that. I feel like the way they
2: position Shang Chi at the end of the film, I don't think you're gonna see Iron Fist. I think he's basically your mashup of Iron Fist
1: and Shang Chi for the Marvel cinematic. Because he has the heart of a dragon.
2: Yeah. Cause he's got iron he's got iron rings around his wrists. Uh, who? And they act a lot like Iron Fist's power.
0: It does. I think there's room in this universe for multiple iterations of that kind of martial arts superhero, though. Especially if they're
1: able to differentiate them enough, which I feel like they really could do. Hey, we just watched a Black Widow movie with like at least 20 Black Widows.
0: Uh, We were just talking about a (laughs) Spider-Man,
2: Spider-Verse movie. Hey, I am off. I love
1: Iron John, Fist. Why I'd do you
0: hate
2: get a Iron good, Fist so much? I love to get a good Iron Fist show or movie or whatever, because I did not have that.
0: Would you like more Daredevil though? Uh,
2: yeah. Only if it's Charlie Cox. Huh, but boy, have I got a news story for you.
0: Oh, it's the one that you brought, so you can talk about because I'm gonna take another oh.
2: so. Um. Kevin Feige was asked if uh, we were going to be seeing Daredevil and what he thought of Charlie Cox. And uh, Kevin Feige said, if Daredevil was going to appear in anything in the Marvel universe right now, cinematic and TV show, it would be uh, Charlie Cox. you That's the Daredevil that we have. And with that... Kingpin Vincent D'Onofrio uh, bit in Hawkeye? I think it's
1: very likely that... In the new episode? She, is The newest episode? No, from, this is uh, a,
0: just kind of like hinting and leading up towards it seems. Mm.
2: Uh, it's when um, Echo is a child. Yeah, and she p- gets... And it, her,
1: uh, she, she gets benched, pinched. Mm-hmm. But we don't know it's Vincent today. Do we know? It's... It's, it's StenoFrio's laugh. It's y- if you listen
2: it's to his, that. It's, what does he it, chew his fingernails
1: him. in a weird way, and you can just tell by the fingernail or something? Y- you can tell by his voice. He's a hand model? Yes, <laughs> yes. If
2: you if you shut the fuck up, Paul, and listen to me, uh, you hear it in his voice.
1: Uh, no, well, I didn't I, even
0: hear his voice. To get back into Daredevil, though, I really do like Vincent D'Onofrio as the Kingpin, and I really dug. Charlie Cox as Matt Murdoch. I think everybody in that show nailed it. Even John Bernthal's recently talked about how like, yeah, if they came back to me for Punisher, I would do it. Like let that phone ring. I'll answer it. Um, I think there's enough good stuff from that Netflix corner of the Marvel universe that I would like to be brought back. Um, maybe not Iron Fist, but Colleen wing was like my favorite part of that show bring her in yeah even uh luke cage was fantastic jessica jones i still haven't watched the second season of that because it came out when i was just bad about watching things but yeah kristen ritter was fantastic like bring it all back like you can expand your universe so much and you know these characters work and people respond to them because they did do well over in the netflix corner
2: Yeah, and especially if they're actually getting the real Marvel treatment, you have good. They cast good people in those positions, except for Iron Uh, Man. Yeah, Finn Jones is.
0: Danny Rand just didn't work. But also, you know, we Uh, talked about it a couple of weeks ago, months ago maybe now, but he just didn't want to do it. Like, he just didn't want to train. And the person that did, the actress that played Colleen Wing, and it really does show.
2: Yeah. No, I have no problem with that. I think everybody did those characters and um I can't think of the actor's name who played Luke Cage, but he was he embodied Luke Cage. He had that charm and looked like he could kick your ass.
0: Okay, I was gonna say it's Mike something, and I was like, No, I think I'm wrong, but yeah, it's uh Mike Coulter.
2: Yeah. So it's uh yeah, I'm I'm down for those characters returning. Or at least knowing, seeing them and knowing that they're there and that they could come out.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're all more low-key characters anyway, so it's not like they need to be at the forefront of the Marvel Universe. They can just be working on their block or their street. And it would still yeah. fit into the universe that Kevin Foggy and crew are building.
1: I agree. Paul, did you have any news? I, uh... The Galactic. So, oh. I'm a big uh, Star Wars nerd, and you know Disney built a whole land, and they're building a hotel. And you know Kate's always said, "Oh man, why doesn't why isn't there a Hogwarts hotel that you can spend the night, sort sorted, all that jazz?" Um, and, and Disney's supposedly building that for Star Wars nerds with this Galactic Star Cruiser, the Halcyon. And uh, they had a preview video that hit online, and all of a sudden that preview video has been taken. Down, uh, I was listening to another podcast, and they were saying, "Oh yeah, because people Paul, only needed Paul, to put Paul. up." So- sorry,
0: we're going to take a pause real quick. Uh, don't tell people there's other podcasts. Um, <laughs> on oh, yeah, and we're, the we're, the, we're the only one. Okay, and three, two, one,
1: go. Okay, and uh, so uh, online there, there's this rumor going around, which I don't know how anybody could hear, uh, yeah, that. Uh, the deposits, you know, you could make when they first went out, out to be sold and you needed to put 20% down. Uh, and then, you know, but 90 days before your voyage, you would need to, you know, pay the rest of it. And this preview video came out basically right before the, you know, the rest of the purchase had to be made or people could cancel. Um And people saw the video and started canceling. So they started, they took down the video because like, uh, just like two weeks ago, like for the, because it's happened, what the first voyage is, I'm not putting in air quotes with voyages happened in March. Right. So 90 days, three months from now then would be basically in a couple of weeks. So, um, Yeah. Apparently it looked really bad, guys. Did you guys see any clips or anything? Uh, of I did watch the video, and I didn't mind it. It was really
0: short. You just see, uh, I can't remember his name. The main John. actor from oh. the the Goldberg Sean Jambroni, I think it is. Um, it's him with like the creative lead from uh, the Halcyon Star Cruiser, just kind of like walking through, like, standing on the bridge. Uh, you see one of the characters that's going to be, like, the performer at the nightclub that you can go to uh, sing, like, a couple of bars from a song.
1: Yeah, in I, English, by the in, way. In
0: English, yeah. Ba- basic. It's in basic. Oh, I'm sorry, basic. Yep, yep. <laughs> Galactic basic. Uh, and it just... It was kind of a cringe video because... I oh, God, I hate saying cringe, but it was definitely them trying to, like, hype it up and get people excited. And I think people are already excited about this enough that you don't need somebody like, oh, boy, oh, boy, I can't wait. What's next? And like, oh, now we're going to walk down this hallway. And I think that's kind of where the stuff that you had pointed out was being seen or people were like, oh, like, they're not – the drywall's not finished here.
1: Yeah, um, it, it's just drywall. It's not even – it doesn't look spacey and cool.
2: It – the, like, one of the things I saw on it was, like, people were, like, it's when they're on the bridge and stuff, and you look at the control panels behind them, the biggest thing people were saying were, like, those look like Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, those look like Star Star Trek buttons, and, and Star Trek uh, pieces, like, that doesn't look like Star Wars, and it didn't match all the hype that they punched up and then they showed all that concept art. And of course, concept art is concept art. But if you have something that's like really vibrant colors and it looks lived in and it looks star like it looks like yeah. a Star Wars. And then you give them something that doesn't look nearly as good as that, but also doesn't look nearly as good as the parks do. And I only have to pay like a Uh, 150 bucks to go see the park not what, $4,000? $4,000 to (laughs) $6,000. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of it might have been
0: pulled due to the fact that there was a lot of backlash to the actual quality that was perceived from people and I don't know if anyone else has heard about this recently too but there's a lot of chatter about how the series, the Goldbergs is probably going to be canceled after like this past season, because there's been a lot of behind the scenes rumblings about, uh, Jeff Garland, who plays the father on the show, possibly like sexually harassing people
1: oh, like no, off
0: camera. No. But to hear him talk about, it's was like, Oh, like it's not sexually harassing. I'm not like grabbing people. It's me making like bad, dumb jokes. Like I'm on curb, your enthusiasm. What do you expect? <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Like th- like that kind of stuff. Um, So it could be hand-in-hand with that, but I'm sure all the backlash that Disney's getting from it's probably not great. Um, I just know that I'm still probably not going to get a chance to ever do this because unless they drop that price down to, like, you know, a couple hundred (laughs) bucks, it's not going to be on my list of things that I'm going to be doing with, like, my tax return money.
1: (laughs) Well, Chris, if it drops down to a couple hundred bucks, you won't get a reservation to be able to do it either, much like how Disney fans (laughs) complain about the magic keys and all those other things. <laughs> like,
0: well, but also now after all of this and, like, the way of cancellations, they did announce that there are spots available for reservation for Galactic Starcruiser. So Star-Grezer. who knows? Yep. Maybe,
2: you know, maybe a
1: blessing which in disguise. Who knows? Yeah, which doesn't look great for uh, Bob Chakebeck after, like, gloating during the investor call. <laughs> like, hey, we're all booked up for the Galactic It's a big hit. Galactic virus. all booked up
0: for the foreseeable future. Wave." Well, we're still kind of in wait-and-see territory, though, because there's always going to be naysayers for things, but then as soon as those first reviews and actual pictures and videos come out from all the bloggers and vloggers, people are still going to be going nuts about it. I mean, people well, still complain about Galaxy's Edge, and Galaxy's Edge is
2: awesome.
1: Yeah.
2: Galaxy's Edge, you, you just you turn around, and you're just like oh my god, did you see did you see that? And Chris is like, yeah, I've been here before. <laughs> check, check that out. And then I'm like, oh, that's really cool too. Like, there's definitely a part of that park. And again, yes, it is a park and it feels like a park. But when you get away from like as you're walking in and there's an A-wing over here and an X-wing over there and then you walk in and you're like in the marketplace kind mm-hmm. of area – you're just like, oh, shit, I'm in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And from that video, looking at them, it's what you would expect them to build for, like, a TV movie being shown on Fox yeah. in the
1: late 80s, early 90s. Oh, that like that X-Men yeah, uh, thing you that know. we all watch as kids. And yeah. that,
0: that could be part of it, too, because... I feel like I'm in Star Wars when I walk into Galaxy's Edge. And watching that video, it doesn't feel like Star Wars. But I'm watching it because it's being done as a video to sell me on Galactic Star Cruise. Like, once you're in there and, like, you're learning how to, like, captain or pilot the ship. Whatever they're going to be doing in there. And you have, like, your tour guide who's, like, an ensign or whatever. Yeah, at that point, you know... It might be like, oh my gosh, like this is awesome! I only spent five thousand dollars. Whoa, I can't believe it. What
1: value?
0: Let's wait and see.
1: But if I'm piloting the ship with a touchscreen, I'll have an issue with it because there's not touchscreens in the Star Wars universe. You know, it's that weird glass with the cir- like the etched circles and like you hold up a weird pen to it to make things happen. I I don't, I don't even think- get it.
0: I don't think they'll have touch screens because even when you're on yeah. the like Millennium Falcon and Smuggler's run, you got the joysticks in front of you. You're like yeah. hitting
1: buttons. Yeah. You gotta hit physical buttons, Because yeah. Star Wars, you know. It's it all looks like somebody just is barely holding everything together with duct tape. That's how it works. <laughs> uh any other news, guys? I, I got think n- that's I it. got
0: nothing but another beard in front of me. Is that the barista? Is that what we're going to next? It is. Next up, we have the barista. And I'm just going to say real quick, if you are a brewery or ever start a brewery, have all of your beers listed on your website. Seriously, hiccups. Because I figured, like, hey, you know what? While we're talking, I'm just going to open up uh, the Clown Shoes website and read about the barista to see, you know, What is brewed with, like, all the information, so I don't have to try to read it off of a can as we're discussing the beer. And it's not on there. Not even in, like, a, hey, limited release. Hey, this is something that we used to brew. Um, Put all of your beers
1: on on your website, breweries. It makes it great. Chris, I'll read from the can. It's a breakfast brown ale brewed with uh, espresso, oatmeal, and milk sugars. What? well, thank you. But I want to look at it online as I'm also looking at you. Well oh, well. You could look at me as I read it to you online. So that that's something. Oh, but I was I was drinking my beer. And
0: I do have to say, at this point we're six beers into this. Finally I got one that I'm like, Okay, this is something that I would drink again. If I saw this in bargatory, I I would get it. Um Really nice strong coffee flavor up front. You get that nice like mealiness from that oatmeal. Uh, I I really dig this one. It's got that nice little like coffee cling on the back
2: there.
1: Yeah, it's got that espresso bite. That you know after flavor, it just feels like you just drank some coffee uh, while long after you took a sip. But it does have that. Um, on the back end, that those milk sugars, like, they really do come through and, like, just brighten it up, sweeten everything up. And then you're left with that roasted coffee flavor at, you know, at the very end.
2: Yeah. This is probably my number three out of what we've had. Because mm. I really enjoyed that uh, dry hop stout mm-hmm. that we had last. Because it was a black IPA. <laughs> It was a black IPA, uh, and I did like the crisp or whatever yeah, that one—a little Crisper. Uh, a little crispy, yeah, yeah, a little crispy. Yeah. Uh, I, I I enjoyed that, um, and I think I mean I've had this beer before, and I've had you know different versions of this one because they've done they've done those, um, but yeah, this is it's good.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't go out of my way to get just the barista, but if I see. You no, know, it's this old bomber series that they used to do, and they would have like this specialty barista. Like, if I see a specialty barista out there, I'll I'll pick that up because it's going to be delicious. It's going to be good because the base is good. It's a yeah no. good brown ale. It is only. Oops, I said only, but it is eight point five percent alcohol by volume. Guys, we're drinking too. Um, Biggins. Just random flashback, didn't we talk about this
0: last year when we were drinking through the 12 beers that they kind of, like, top-loaded it where everything started off really small, but then at the end it's like, heavy beer, heavy beer, big
1: beer, big beer.
0: Isn't that, yeah, isn't that what we said last anybody... year, too? Because now, like, a 9% and now an 85 Well, I think it's
1: yeah. designed to drink one a day. <laughs> nah. Don't they know what we do for a living? We we don't do this for a living. But you could change all that, listeners. (laughs) Give me money. Um,
2: Do you guys, uh, do you have the other beers in front of you that we're going to drink?
1: Yeah, I actually uh, have them both next to me here. The mango is 5.75. Not bad. But the next up after that is the heavy. And I can't imagine. (laughs) 8%. Well, that's only 8%. So. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're, We're scaling down. It's. We're tapering off (laughs) You know what, we're not tapering off though It's buying comic books, guys And we're going to buy some comic books This Tuesday slash Wednesday December 15th, 2021 And John, you haven't started any segment yet So go ahead, what book are you purchasing? Yeah, John, pull your weight (laughs) Uh
2: (laughs) Uh, I am going to be picking up uh, Robin and Batman number two. Um, I actually really enjoyed the number one issue that we'll be talking about in our next uh, segment. So uh, listen uh, to me later on talk about how I enjoyed that book.
1: Oh, mm. well, John, there's a number two coming out this week that I didn't even realize oh. there was the number oh. one of. Oh, so I'm going to go back and pick up the number one, not the number two, like I normally do. But he'll also buy the number two. He's but I'll probably also he's buy the number just being coy. Do. But that's because this is The Thing. Read, uh, over at Marvel. What's The Thing? The, the comic book is called The Thing. Thank you, John. That was a good joke. <laughs> uh, written by Walter Mosley, art by uh, Tom Reilly, and uh, I'm guessing... Jody Blair does the coloring, so there we go. Jody Blair on color. And this is a mini-series entitled The Next Big Thing. That's all I need to know. I don't need, I don't know who Walter Mosley is. All I know is it's the thing and it's, he's, there's a story about him. It's not Dan Slot. I re- really like the Dan Slot uh, series, so. That's what I'm going with. Chris! What are you looking forward to, buddy? So, I'm looking forward to a book that I've
0: already had kind of spoiled for me, uh, because in the back of every single Bat Family book that you could possibly buy right now, they have a preview for this, and this is Batgirls number one. Uh, this is being written by Becky Clunan with art by Jorge Corona, and this is telling the story about the Batgirls. This is going to be Stephanie Brown um, and Cassandra Kane doing what they do. Uh, If you've been keeping up on the Bat Universe, we just got out of... um, uh, What was it? Like the Fearfall? Fearful? Fear Fear State? Fear State, that's the one. Um, Fear State crossover where there was a hacker who had hacked into Oracle's system and was... Basically had access to everything Oracle did, and Oracle kind of partnered up with Cass and Steph to try to take down the seer. Um, And this is going to be following that plot thread going forward. I love both these characters. I'm glad they're both still around and that they're getting their own book. I love that it's being written by Becky Clunan, who's probably a collective favorite of ours. I think Paul likes her a little bit more. Um, And I like that Becky's made that jump from just like that kind of cool artist to write her artists. And now she's just writing and she's writing big name characters and big name books at big companies. It's not all just indie stuff for her anymore, but with Jorge Corona on art, this book does have that kind of indie feel. Uh, last thing we actually saw Jorge Corona on was over from dark horse comics where he was doing the umbrella Academy. Um, Oh my gosh, what's his name? The Klaus book. Klaus Jensen? No, Klaus from Umbrella uh, Academy. I can't remember what it was called.
2: He can see the dead people. Yeah, he
0: had a miniseries spinoff, but he was doing the art on that book, and I'm blanking on the name of it because we only read that first issue. Uh, But this is something I'm definitely looking forward to, and I flipped through the preview pages at the back of, like I said, Every other Bat Family book, whether it's Robin, Robins, Nightwing, Robin and Batman, the villain's 80-page anniversary, uh, DC is definitely pitching this book. So I I hope it's ahead because I want these characters to stick around and I want them to have their own kind of corner of the universe.
1: Very cool. Uh, Walter Mosley is actually a novelist. This is his first comic book work, it looks like. And he wrote uh, Easy Rawlings Mysteries, like Devil in the Blue Dress back in 1990. I, I don't know. I don't know any of these books. Because I don't uh, read. read word books with friends, Hey, hey. Well, Paul, you hey. don't need
0: to know every book, but you know what you do need to know? We do a uh, dramatic reading every show. We do. And now, a dramatic reading. From Gotham City Villains, Anniversary Giant, number one, page seven, panel
2: four. Meh, if they only knew, our love is so
0: true. That was a dramatic reading. From Gotham City Villains, Anniversary Giant, number one, page seven, panel four. And not to talk about the book before we talk about the book, but when we were reading that Penguin story, because it was written by Danny DeVito, I kept reading it with Frank Reynolds' voice as the Penguin,
1: (laughs) and that just kind of made it better for me. It was written by uh, Danny DeVito? I'm like, whoever's writing this has an axe to grind, and also has a weird fetish. And I'm like, now it makes sense that it was Danny DeVito the whole time. Well, we'll talk about it when we get to it. <laughs> Before we move on to the main topic, we're going to actually talk about our next beer. And that beer is from Clown Shoes, obviously. Uh, and this is Mango Farm. IPA with mango. Guys, it says it right on the can. There's mango in it. They say there's mango. Up on the lid, it's Mango Farm. Indian Pale Ale with mango. It says with mango at least four times on this can. It's a 5%, and- or 5.75% alcohol by volume beer. 12 fluid ounces in the can
2: and these reviews online say awesome fruity ipa would love this in a hazy style but still enjoyable strong notes of mango but you know what i don't get in this beer the the mango mango
0: so john tried it first and asked me If I had poured it into a glass or if I was just drinking from a can. I was like, oh, I've just been drinking everything from a can because we're just kind of powering through everything today. Uh, And then he asked me to take a sip of it, and I did. Well, first I did the sniff test because, you know, mm -hmm. we're we're professionals. And on first sniff, I I was like, okay, well, it's got kind of a fruity aroma to it, but it wasn't overly mango or tropical. It's like, okay, well, it's kind of fruity. But then after trying it, I still don't get any mango. So I feel like that fruitiness is just from the hops because it is brewed with, I mean, they say mango puree and then Mosaic, Cascade, Azaka, and Simcoe, which those are my hops. So this is an IPA that I do like, but I'm not getting any mango off of it. Like it, You can tell me you're having a mango IPA. I need that amped up. You need to put mango in and be like, is that enough mango? I don't know. Add more mango. It's like garlic bread. You you, you
2: add more just because you're like, yeah, it's garlic. I, I love it. I uh, so I do have to say somebody else checked in that said the mango is very faint aftertaste. Outside of that, just a light and easy IPA with not too much to it. One Let's another start. one da- another another one down from the twelve days of Xmas. Hey, that guy should be friends with us. He should listen, rate and review us. But
0: it's not a bad IPA. Like, this is a nice, drinkable IPA. Like, this is that kind of IPA that you could give to someone that's like, Oh, IPAs, those are what those beer nerds drink. And you're like, no, this is nice. It is light. It is pretty crisp, refreshing. Like, it's not overly bitter. Um, But you tell me you're making a mango IPA. And I want just
1: big, tropical, pitted fruit deliciousness. Yeah, it's... Mango, I think, might be just a hard flavor to... Hey, you know what? See, no, never mind. I'm there's gonna, been some really good mango be- beers. Get,
0: there's really good mango flavored everything, because I don't yeah. like the actual mango fruit at all. What? It's just like a weird mealiness to it. Like, I feel like anytime I actually eat mango, it's just not a good mango, but then I'm like, well, maybe mm. that's just
1: what mango tastes like. No, but, you're not getting good mango, then, if you're getting I, muley mangoes.
0: But I like mango... It's a, bad, it's a bad mango. It's a bad mango. I do like mango-flavored things, though. Mango man is my favorite Snapple flavor. But there's just not enough mango to this. And I'm like, man, go brew this again with more mango. Mm-hmm. Mango, go brew this again with more mango
1: yeah 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 i got you man go it's not a bad ipa though like as it stands like i put this
0: under interrogatory it's like 275 because there's other ipas that i could just drink more of more readily because there's not enough to make this stand out against any other just off the shelf or out of the tap ipa that i really like and enjoy
2: well, the thing is, too, is like you can get, like Paul had mentioned, wrench from industrial arts. That's just an IPA. It doesn't have mango puree to it. And that has a beautiful, like, <clears throat> mangoiness to it from the hops. So, like, mm-hmm. you can do it. You can make a beer taste mangoey without putting mango in it. But if you're telling me there's mango in it,
1: I'd really like to taste the mango. Mm hmm. It seems like a mango. Man- we said it so often now I can't say it anymore. Mango inspired IPA, not a mango IPA. Like, hey guys, we were trying to make something like, but it says right there on the can like, and I made mention of it while we were while introducing it with mango. It's not just supposed to be reminiscent of mango because if somebody's told me, oh, we brewed this beer. And it, it kind of tastes like a mango. I'd be like, "Yeah, hey, good tropical East Coast style IPA with you know that tropical fruit in it, nicely done." So, but like we're all saying, like fruit with it in there. When where did it go? When Yanni will
0: try a beer that's flavor something like the, a strawberry milkshake IPA? If she mm-hmm. takes a sip and she doesn't actually get it and absolutely taste it she'll say okay it's kind of strawberry in the way that you're drinking it and someone's just yelling strawberry at you while you're drinking and they're <laughs> like okay i guess so that's kind of how this is in the mango like it's not there but if someone's like no it's a mango ipa right and you're like
1: yeah, yeah that baseball yeah. player dale strawberry Everything he drinks tastes like a little bit like strawberry. that he, he drinks tastes like
0: steroids.
1: <laughs> everything he drinks, somebody's yelling,
2: Strawberry! Man. strawberry! I, thought it, I thought it was the crack cocaine. Wasn't that what he's, he was known for? He's on everything. I just
0: know. I know he's a baseball player, and he was on the Simpsons episode about baseball from, like, 1995, whenever. Everything I know about sports comes from the Simpsons or Paul. That's it. <laughs> But anyways, guys, we read a bunch of comic books this month, November 2021. It's going to head us into our main topic. We're going to be doing our monthly luck pack. And John, we're going to be starting with one of your books. And My one book? Your one book. You did buy other books, but you only made us read this one. It's an
1: infinite amount more than I made you guys read (laughs) this month.
0: And John, Uh, when when you picked this, I'm like, oh, he's going to make us read another one of these but thank you for making us read another one of these. Because anytime there's a human target book, you're like, yeah, human target.
1: Oh, well, I thought I you like were going to say target. Tom
0: King.
2: I, I've been those have been pretty good. And Chris has brought one one Tom King book to the table, and now I've brought three.
1: Wait, nobody and brought Mr.
2: Supergirl to that he's writing.
0: I didn't I, I, it. Don't read Super Family books they're on my periphery. I didn't know he was doing Supergirl. Now I'm interested in Supergirl. Yeah,
1: I would read I'd read issue 1. He's doing a true grit story with Supergirl. Ooh. And Supergirl cool. is the grizzled veteran. Ooh, I like it. Is that that's not out though. Yeah, it's it's been out for a while.
2: What?
0: Sorry. I'm researching it.
2: John, you you introduced your book. Uh, so, Human Target, number one, written by Tom King, art by the great uh, Greg Smallwood. And this is Christopher Chance in his uh, yes. last... Hmm? Uh, I was going to say titular role as a Human Target. <laughs> uh, and this is his, it, it, what seems to be his, his last story. And this is part of the black label, so this is out of continuity... Um, But this is kind of a noir-esque story involving the human target. And uh, somebody has poisoned him, and you see him take his last breath on the first couple pages. And then it does this really kind of fun rewind where every couple panels is day 12 where he dies, day 11, day 10 and going backwards to the start of all of this when he first started getting sick and then where this story is going to go from there. But it's also Christopher chance, uh, greatest hits through the DC universe. Like the doctor he goes, sees is doctor midnight. One of his clients that he's helping is Lex Luthor. Like you have all these kind of little fun moments. And even like, the job he performs for Lex Luthor is like, I'm pretty sure you set this all up to make you look good. And he's like, yeah, but what does it matter? I paid you. And he's like, yeah, I still got shot, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I, I really enjoyed this book. I think Greg uh, Smallwood's art really helps with that. Mm-hmm. And it also helps with that noir
1: feel to it. It's noir, but it's definitely... They're choosing color pal- palettes that are yeah. bright and the, the, the a little audacious, yeah. you know? Uh, also, I did have to ask this question, John, because you just said it was you liked that it was like, it starts 12 days before, and then it goes back in time. Uh, because you've you been that. on this podcast quite a few times saying I, I do hate it when a comic book opens this... and then it goes 12 hours earlier.
2: But this is something that is super common with crime noir, mm. is your guy falls down in the beginning, gut shot or whatever, yeah. out of or gas. Or it's in
1: uh, Firefly.
2: And it's just like, I thought I had it all planned out. And then it goes back. What I, The thing I hate is, boy, fighting somebody. This really didn't know I really didn't think this was going to happen. Where did I start from here? Let's flash back 1 hour. And then it's like I don't think anything crazy can happen today. Mm-hmm. Like there's good versions of it and bad versions of it. A good this version to... of it
1: is uh entangled with the opening with this uh this is the story of how I died. I got you? Yeah.
2: I'm just going to listen to all the ta- ones tang- I know. Tangled's
1: really good, though. I mean... <laughs> and that's it. I'm tapped. So keep on going, yeah.
2: Yeah. But it's... um, In this context, it works. And it's not just like, how did I get here? Well, let's find out. And then you flash back. This is a man laying down to die and thinking back on everything that happened. And then the story unfolds to you.
0: Well, I, like I also it. like that when you're having that moment, you're getting kind of flash. F- it's a flashback, but it's flash forwards to who he's going to be dealing with and talking to in the upcoming mm-hmm. issues, because we're <laughs> going to be getting that kind of uh, ha ha Justice League era uh, superheroes coming into it, and that's going to be part of the who done it. I really dug this book and I, sorry, John, I saved this book for last because I've never
2: enjoyed any human target stuff before. Uh, But I enjoy the concept of human target, but I've never continued reading more than like
1: one issue that I'd bring to the table. (laughs) So the concept is he's a guy, he's a perfect body double. He can body double anybody. And he comes in and just basically takes the hit. Yes. Okay. Is that like a superpower that he has that he can body double anybody? Or is it just... His skill. His skill. Okay, so it's not supernatural. It's not... He's kind of as... He, he, he can kind of like, uh, I guess, Mission Impossible mask himself in a way. Yeah, he even kind of talks about it. He's like, I, I wouldn't have shaved my head.
0: I Just would have put on a ball cap. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, But he did put on a ball cap this time. When he was younger, he would have shaved his head. And now he hates that he's wearing a ball cap because it's itching.
2: Yeah. Fun little things. Mm -hmm. Uh, I like this book. It probably wasn't my favorite, but it's in my top for, for these books. And I... I planned on picking up issue two. I don't remember if I did. That was your pick for the list last week. I know because I put
0: that post up over on our Instagram. So listeners, if you want to see what we're reading every week, uh, follow us over there. You can also see our dramatic reading panels there. Uh, I did. I did. You did buy it because I know you did because after I read issue number one, I was like, oh, I want to read number two, but I saw you hadn't read it yet. And I was like, I don't want to throw off his reading by reading um, something that he hasn't, because I don't know if you go to your unread books when you're looking for, like, your next no. read Okay.
2: That's how I do it, because I'm like, what did I buy? Oh, yeah, that's right. I need to read this. Um, I always go to recently purchased, for the most part, because then it shows me what I've recently purchased. Mm. Um, I didn't read issue two because I didn't want to have this conversation having read issue two. Yeah. Because a lot of times I find it hard to have the conversation with people who also haven't read issue two because they, you might say something and it's like, well, it happens. uh, Everything you're complaining about happens in issue two, you know, like, so I
1: try to stay fresh with this issue. I I did find, Oh no, go ahead, Paul, please. uh, I did find the art in this issue where I was annoyed that I was reading it panel view where I would constantly like try to double click out to see the full page just because the colors were so bright and vivid and they felt like it should flow from panel to panel. Um, Especially with that one scene that you're talking about, John, the two days ago, three days ago, four days ago, you know, that whole page. But then when I did zoom out, I didn't feel like it had much continuity or flow on the page itself. But, you know, for, for whatever reason, I felt like this was... I felt like I was missing out by not having full pages in front of me.
2: Uh, I I could see that. I could see wanting to read this in a comic book yeah. form, like <laughs> with the pages in front of me.
1: But, I, you know, it's just something that doesn't really happen that often anymore for me, where I'm like guided view panel by panel. I'm usually fine with.
0: I really enjoyed this one. And I think a lot of it was, it's a good idea. It's a great take on the human target, but the art really sold it for me. Where every character is so distinct and standalone, like Greg Smallwood does not just have a face that he draws, and then who you can tell who everybody is because of the costume that they're wearing, and that really struck me. Just with the kind of like double plate, uh, double page splash where you have all of the Justice League International there. And I was looking at everyone and I'm like, okay, I know who all these characters are because of, yes, I can see fire and ice based off their costumes, but everyone is so different looking from everybody else there. Um, And his his Luther just, it's a great Luther. Uh, And Tom, Tom King writes a great Luther. Everything about this book works so well that I hope you keep up on it, John, because this is definitely something that I want to keep going back to and reading.
2: Yeah. uh, Right now it's, it's definitely up there as something I'm going to keep reading. Um, It reminds me a lot of like the older Philip Marlowe stuff, like Poodle Springs stuff where he's a grizzled detective, but he's in Miami. So it's like, bright and vibrant around him, but Mm -hmm. he's the, the, the man in the, the dark Brown suit that doesn't fit. Hmm. Um, so yeah, just, it reminds me of that kind of,
1: I do have a disc. This is something that we do during words, books with friends, but discussion question for you. What do you think is that Brown liquor that he's pouring himself in Luther's office? He keeps the good stuff in Luther's office in his office. So, uh, What's the good stuff that you think he's pouring?
2: Uh, He's pouring, like, uh, 20-year-old McAllen scotch. Ooh, scotch.
1: All right. How about you, Chris? Uh, What are you thinking?
2: It would definitely be some
0: sort of scotch, but I think it would be something more mystical or mythical, like from Fiddler's Green in the realm of The Endless. Like, one of those kind of things. Because you can... In the DC universe, a little bit. You can go big. You can have it be uh, like, oh, it's aged in wooden barrels from the Ship of Theseus, from like Amazonia kind of thing. Like,
1: why not go big? Did I did I talk? Okay, you brought a Ship of Theseus. I have another thing there. I was just thinking it was some Poppy Van Winkle, like <laughs> really, really, really aged, like you know bourbon. Because you know, Human Target, I would think he would go for the bourbon. As well, you know, he's an noir kind of character. Uh, but Ship of Theseus, can we stop talking about the Ship of Theseus? We have a perfect example that's so American. It's the Cleveland Browns. Sports. They, they were a team. Sp- sports ball? Yeah. They, they were a team.
2: Do you really feel like you need to explain it to us?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I do. Because... So the ship of Theseus, you know, we, one ship the gate gets moved and then rebuilt over someplace else. The Cleveland Browns, the owner, our model, moves the team, takes the team, moves them to Baltimore. They rename the team, all the players, everybody, the whole organization moves to they Baltimore. They renamed all the players? No, they renamed the team. Now they're all
2: John Smith. <laughs> yep. Ah, but Howard Johnson's right. We need to throw the ball more.
1: But they rename the team. They take all the players, take the owner and every whole organization, moves them to Baltimore, renames the team, the Baltimore Ravens. Two years later, Cleveland gets a new team. They call them the Cleveland Browns. It's an expansion team. Which one's the real Cleveland Browns?
0: The Cleveland Browns, because the other team moved to Baltimore. So now they're Baltimore's team. It's the, like, L.A. Raiders
1: it's the versus ship
0: of it's the L.A. Raiders versus the Las Vegas Raiders. Like, which one's the team from Los Los Angeles?
1: Yeah, but there's no Los Angeles Raiders. Well, oh, I know, but it's the Cleveland Browns. But and they, used, the Baltimore they used Ravens to be who were used to be the Cleveland Browns, but
0: they are still the Cleveland Browns. But the Raiders used to be the team from L.A. Now they're in Vegas.
1: So, are they still? But from all, L.A., all the banners, any kind of th- wins but what that is- they had in their history. Is still with that same team, the Los Angeles or the Las Vegas Raiders.
2: But what about the Toronto Raptors?
1: They were just an expansion team. They weren't. They weren't a team before. It's not like it's not but like they a, played. It's, they not played a, basketball. it's not a Golden State basketball.
0: Warriors, Seattle Supersonics
1: situation
2: yeah,
0: kind of thing. Basketball situation sports. Situation I four. only know that because my friend Keith. Loves the Supersonics and now by default.
1: Or if we want to go clerks, or mall rats, sorry, Mulrats, Hartford Whalers, Carolina Hurricanes. Hartford, the way whale? Hartford Whalers then moved to. You know. But it's not like Hartford now still has a team now, and you can talk about both. Where the Cleveland Browns. Are the you're clean.
2: right. It, it's small rats, today. It is. Small rats. <laughs> Anyways, small rats. John, I'm gonna
0: we're gonna head into my books now, and the one that I want to talk about first is what I know you want to talk about because you picked number two as your book you're looking forward to for the list, and I was surprised you didn't pick Human Target as your number one, and I'm afraid it's because of this, uh, but this is gonna be Robin and Batman number one. Written by Jeff Lemire, Paul, one of your favorites, art and colors by Dustin Nguyen. And what we have here is almost like a Robin year one series where it's Robin kind of becoming who he is and who he will be, Uh, but it's from his point of view and Batman's kind of on the ancillary. It's Dick Grayson really stepping into the role and doing what he wants to do and how that propels him through his career as Robin, in spite
1: of what Batman wants him to do. And I'm sorry, I'm going to bring this up yes, now, because I ahead. want to bring it up later. This is Dick Grayson, the first Robin, right? This is Dick Grayson, the, the first, the, quote-unquote, Robin, <laughs> no, no. because
0: this is a very Robin-heavy no. episode, because we also because have... Because I have
1: a problem
0: with an upcoming book, because... I have uh, problems with that book
2: yeah, I read, based off of everything else about that book. I read that book, that book first. So I was so that angry. First, and then I read this one. I was like, oh my God, this is such a breath of fresh yeah. air. <laughs> we'll talk uh, We'll talk about in- that later. Guys, we're talking about
0: Robin and Batman number one because yeah. this book is exactly what I wanted it to be. Um, yeah, focusing I'm, on Batman
1: and the first Robin, Dick Grayson. <laughs>
0: uh, be, every, everybody loves Dick Grayson. Like, and that's a Cornerstone thing. And... It's not going to be something I submit for any other look back or list or anything, but the Nightwing Annual just came out. And that's also kind of a flashback for Dick Grayson, but it's when he first becomes Nightwing and Jason Todd's having a hard time adapting as Robin. So he kind of does like a stop and visit and the two of them kind of go out on the town. And there's a great brotherly relationship to them that I feel hasn't been explored in comics before. And there's such a great way to handle Robin. And I think that Nightwing annual did it very well. And I think we also get that from this book too, because it focuses on Dick Grayson. Yes, it's called Robin and Batman, but you get more, Dick Grayson in this book than you do Robin you get more Alfred in this book than you do Robin and I think all that leads to like such a strength of character that when you do finally get to see Batman like halfway through the book you're, you're already pulling for Robin like he's headstrong he's doing what he wants to do because he's just so eager and needs to prove himself and it leads to paul's favorite character now i'm guessing with
1: killer croc oh killer croc i okay i'm gonna this made the whole robin thing a little too real with him being like at school and be like you know what i kind of enjoy the nightmare better than real life right now because in real life i have time to think about the loss that i've experienced Versus the nightmare where I'm like too busy Trying to just stay alive And I'm doing training And martial arts and all this stuff Like the escapism from Dealing with your personal grief Versus actually Dealing with your personal grief Was like ooh, Dick Grayson You're not going to be well bud Life is If you don't deal with this Life is going to be real tough for you
2: Yeah, but if you look at it as what we know, Dick Grayson goes on to be Mm -hmm. that he does have those moments where he is going to overcome it, and he even says like, "I can be my own and be Mm -hmm. a shining light, or I can turn into Batman." Well,
1: yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. And he says that he's afraid he's going to become Batman, but then he like puts together the Robin costume in bright colors just despite Batman. He's like he's, like, like, he's going to hate he's this. He's going to freaking hate this.
2: But he has that moment where he does want to build... He, he He's already been toying with the idea of that costume. Mm-hmm. He already had it drawn. He was already wanting to do it. And then Alfred really pushed him to go for it with this mm-hmm. conversation with him in the car. I think this is a good... It shows an, an adolescent who's lost his family in front of him, who's been training with a crazy man to fight crime at night. And not show it, quote unquote, in a real way, but show that this kid is a little messed up. I think mm-hmm. you have to be a little messed up to, to do this. I'm interested to see where this book is going to go. I think the art in it is really nice. I love that watercolor sketchy kind of art to it. I think it works with the story and I thought it was re- I thought it was really well done.
0: No. I no, I, 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 I absolutely love this book. Um, this is one of those ones that makes me happy that we can still kind of have these flashbacks and past tales about what it is to be Robin and what leads him to these points. Because, you know, that's the big question. Like, mm-hmm. is it worth it to be Robin? What do we gain from this? What do we get from it?
1: Oh, um, man, it feels like you're segwaying. Right <laughs> I might up. be segwaying
0: um, I, I think Robin and Batman is a great way to show it. And also, hey, so is the Nightwing annual. If you guys want extra credit homework, uh, <laughs> definitely check that book out. Because it's really well done, too. Um, But we also had Robins number one come out this past month. Uh, Robins number one, opening it up. uh, Written by Tim Seeley, art by Baldemar Rivas. And this is just kind of that. It's the Robins getting together and talking about what it means to be a Robin and has it been worth it for them. And for me, the big... Detractor for this book was It spent so much time Telling me who All of these characters are When I know who they are And I mean, yes You're picking up the Robins Every comic book could be someone's first comic book But even if you haven't been following These characters For, you know, 10, 20 years You know who Robin is And you might be surprised to find out that there's Multiple Robins But there's just page after page of everybody self-congratulating and self introducing that it really took me out of it. And this was a book that I was really looking forward to because I'm a Robin fan, and I love all of these characters. And to come out of this book, just... no, No. No.
1: Yeah. I do have to say, the self-introductions are important because i have no idea what dc's continuity is anymore like yeah, because but you
2: have a basic yeah. idea you can say but that Tim, all you want but you do have a basic idea of who these characters, those characters are but what char- who these characters in, are in this story but these are the cliff notes of those characters too because they're not even done in my opinion done well because a rich- the best part of this book is that first part where they're all taking down that anarchy group together. And I was like, okay, I can see this is going to be like a fun version of these characters. And then they go to the... the sweat lodge. The sweat lodge at the dining room table. And then I'm like, I don't like the art in this book. Like when they start just showing the up close of the characters, I just like, ugh. I, I Dick Grayson's in a man bun. I don't like. I don't. Yeah, I like mean, the, if any of the robins were to have a man bun, it would, it would be Dick. <laughs> I don't like how any of the characters are written now. <laughs> when like um, Damien takes Tim's mocha and puts it in his cereal, you know, like,
1: and that's tra- tra- that is not so the travel size cereal that people talk about either. That's a full box. I, I need that to they go drew. back to it because, and that's. You know, because one he said, "Oh, Dick bought you the travel. So like, th- it's the plastic you It's that plastic bowl with the paper top that you peel off. Yeah. It's that's it's smaller what it be. than
2: a regular box, but bigger than yeah. what they say it is.
1: Yeah, but it should. Uh, it should be the plastic bowl, almost like you, the individual microwavable mac and cheese bowls."
2: That's yeah, I should. know that's how they do them now, but I think they were going they were showing that it's the little boxes. Yeah, like those single, those single people, serve.
0: They still yeah. make them. Like you can still go they still like, make them. to like
1: BJ's or yeah. Costco and they'll have like But nobody's pouring has, like, milk system. directly into that box, so.
0: I I don't no, want to try to no. justify this, but you, you know, you're, but you're just, a, a bat
2: kid possibly you're picking. We're picking that here. Yeah, and we, we are. that's a because it, that there's needs to be so there's so much to pick. Because even like I was a crook, slams his glass down. Like, okay, we get it. You're the angry one. We also know who Red Hood. Yeah. You know, you also know in general who Red Hood is. Because right. then he's like, oh, gee guys, you know, I love y'all. Like, when did Tim Seeley start writing? This is it, th- everything about this is bad. And the fact that Tim Seeley's name on is it, on it, it's just like wh- wh- what is going on? And then you've made reference to it, Paul, but your main villain? I
0: see I don't mind that secret robin that nobody knew about before. Like it's very comic book tropey. We've seen this kind of thing before. I don't It's mind like it. when
1: Hawk Girl has a uh, Hawkeye has a secret sister. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I talk about another I, book. I, because that's what we're doing this episode. I don't referencing the
0: next book. <laughs> I don't mind it. Like, and the the secret Robin that nobody knew about before, who now harbors the grudge for the other Robins that got to grow and become part of the family. I don't mind that, and, like, I can get, like, okay, this is the launching point for this book going forward. It's just everything else about how these characters is written in those pages. And, John, I'll give it to you, too. Like, when they're all working together to take out, like, Anarchy's gang, like, yeah, that's fine. But even that was kind of borderline where it's like, Tim, you're the computer guy, right? what's the wikipedia exactly. like it, there's
2: too much of I'm, I'm just saying it's the best part i, I know of this and look even that like still suffers um and and even like at the it, the uh, towards the end where it's like i'm a criminal i escaped and i'm shot but your big villain and your big villain and i was your big villain there's a team up. And it's like, wow. And then they go, I remember fighting him. Uh, Me well, too. He was tough. I, I remember seeing those characters
0: actually when I was buying Robin. I was like, oh, cool. They're, they're kind of bringing back some other stuff. But that was just that fanboy, like, ah, yes. Harkening back to stuff from 2006. Eat them member like mm. um, Not... Not a great book. Not even the best Robin book that we read this month. Um, Really, really disappointed in that one. But I'll probably pick up number two because I'm hoping they got their growing pains out of the way. Uh, I'm a a glutton for punishment, I guess. I don't know. Glutton for punishment, I just Uh, really
2: like Robin. I can't tell you. Chris... Chris looked up and saw my face, and I gave him a look of, come on, man. You don't want to do that.
1: The only thing I can think for this unnamed Robin that's never been shown before is somebody that might have been training with Bruce Wayne back when he was becoming Batman. And but wasn't looks Batman like yet? she like a kid. You
2: know, she looks like she might I be a no little idea. bit older than... I, I have no
1: idea. With... Especially with the female characters in comic books, they could be any age at any time. Yeah. We when we
0: read Batman number no. one by Scott and Greg Capullo, we were like, everybody looks the same except they're different heights. So that's why I guess we tell everybody apart. We wound up loving that run. Like that became the Batman to be for what fifteen years now. Yeah, there, there's ways to salvage things. Like I. I don't hate the art. I mean, it's not the strongest, it's but I can look past it and try to learn it and grow with it. It's a little
1: manga. I think, you know, especially around the eyes, it's a little manga. See, little I'm, anime. I'm fine with that because right now I'm... I kind of equate it to uh, Seven
0: Secrets and I'm absolutely still loving that book. Like, it's within yeah, that, that vein. I it's also written by Tom I, I, King, so.
2: Oh,
1: wait, oh, oh, is that the one after? thing I did want to go yeah. back? No, it's not. Is it? Is that is the that one thing? Is
2: that one kind of thing like I did want to go
1: back? to. Sorry, I'm blanking. One thing I did want to go back to was them. I was happy with the Robin or, or Red Tim Drake introduction and them actually mentioning his past, being like, "No, no, you definitely were Robin," because for DC continuity for a while there. He was never Robin. He was always just Red, Red Robin. Robin. Yeah. He never actually worked... W- he worked alongside Batman, but he was never Batman's Robin.
2: Yeah, I think they've gotten away from that continuity.
1: Well, now... I think it's because they... I just I need that confirmation somewhere. And this is where I'm getting it. So... And they also confirmed that he was Drake at one point. Yeah. So who even knows what the continuity is? He was... All of it happened and none of it happened. It's
0: but that's kind of how Batman continuity's been because they're trying to pick and choose what people have liked over the years and what hasn't worked. And they're trying to grow from that while hand-waving away other stuff. And Stephanie Brown definitely didn't happen before either.
1: So, uh,
0: And now it's tested sit again. So. For the same thing, I'm glad they're saying like, yes, Stephanie was Robin even though her tenure was very short because for a while they just pretended that didn't happen because you know, she was Robin well, she was Spoiler, she was Robin she was Spoiler she was Batgirl, now she's back to being Spoiler, but now she's also Batgirl but now they're calling back to her being a Robin again I, I understand it just as someone that's been reading these characters for like 20, 30 years now and that's fine. And
2: you know what I hope is fine? Our next beer. Drinking our next beer. And that is going to take us into our last beer. And this is the Royal Standard Wee Heavy from Clown Shoes. And this is coming in at 8%. And this is another kind of eh beer. Really? Like, it's not bad. I would put this. Number two tonight, number four out of the eight that we've had. I'm surprised like I'm, that
0: this is 8% versus the 9% from the um, the double space cake, or the space cake double IPA. Because, I mean, being a wee heavy, like, right off the bat, like, I feel like, oh, uh, yes, like, this has,
2: like, like that heaviness. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a bad... I'm not super loving it. It's um, it, it it's kind of thin, multi
1: caramel. It's got and a little bit of weight to it, but not. It it doesn't have a great mouthfeel. It is very. I think I I see what you're saying, John. It is watery uh, on the initial burst of flavor, and then. It's got some weight on the back end. That that's where I'm. Carmely. That tannin,
0: like it's kind of there. Like it's drying up my tongue a little bit. It's like,
1: hmm.
2: But I, I, I get that caramel sweetness. Sensation.
1: I get a burnt, burnt sugar, but not quite caramel. Yeah, and um, it
2: it's not a bad beer. When I do think of like a wee heavy, I think of something a little more richer, mm-hmm. something with a little more body that stands up. Yeah. Again,
1: it's, I think a great number divides Claymore, right? Uh, that great
2: divide. Yeah. A great divide made Claymore. I is don't I think that's
1: a Scotch ale. Oh, is that a Scotch ale?
2: Okay. Which is, I mean, I think we heavies and Scotch ales are they kissing cousins, you know, like they're super close. Um, yeah, I, it, it's good. It's number four out of the eight. It's number two night. I would.
0: I would have to like crunch numbers to see where it places for everything we've had, but this is definitely my number two of the night. Like I think barista still my my favorite from the night than this, and then probably good. the space cake, and then the the mango. I was gonna say
2: Kolsch. I would hundred mango IPA. I would hundred mm-hmm. percent. I'd hundred percent agree. That's exactly the same order I had
1: put these in. And I'm of course going to be different because I'm Paul. Uh, I would go with the espresso number one, then the space cake number two, then this, and then the uh, mango, just because the mango, it's not a bad beer. It just doesn't deliver with the, with mango, you know, you're giving it. Yeah. And this isn't the best. I'd rather drink a scotch ale than this we have, apparently, because Robox scotch ale rather have
2: than this box Scotch. Uh, Founders. Nice. Dirty Bastard. Dirty Bastard, Backwoods oh, Bastard.
0: Yeah. That that's one. that's like, I think Scotch ale, like I think Dirty Bastard and like just how wonderful and amazing that beer is. And much like Barista, like if you put out different variations of Dirty Bastard, like I'm I'm there for it because it's such a great solid base beer. Like, Better Half is amazing. And it's based off oh, of just, okay. like, the groundwork that
2: best Bastards laid. So this is called... It, they're calling it... A, it's a Scotch Ale slash We Heavy. So it's... It's a Scotch
1: Ale. Oh, uh, this one? Right here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So, uh, yeah. Claymore. Great to divide. Better. <laughs> I would agree. Uh, I would
2: say, yeah. <laughs> Even though it's... It's been 12 years since I've had
0: I don't it. think it's been that long. I feel like we had that the one year at your sister's for either Christmas or Thanksgiving. Like I feel like we had a bottle of that that we had passed around. I want to say that was the last time I had it. I could look it up. I'm not going to, because you know what? we got a comic book to talk have- about. So many comic books. And we're going to jump over to the other side of the street with Marvel. And this is going to be Hawkeye, Kate Bishop, number one. And this is part of a five-issue miniseries. Uh, written by Marike Necamp with art by Enid Balam. And this is focusing on Kate Bishop, the best Hawkeye, uh, who's kind of going through a crisis of faith in herself, where she knows who she is and what she can do. But is that really who she is and what she can do? Because she's picking up stakes. She's moving from the West Coast. Back over to the East Coast. Uh, we saw her move to the West Coast actually in the Matt Fraction, David Aha Hawkeye series that is now being adapted into the Hawkeye series on Disney+. Plus. Uh, yeah, she's been over on the West Coast since then doing her own thing. She has her own little private investigator business going. Uh, but she's going back home again. And this is her just doing one more case
1: kind of on the road. What do you guys think? I was excited about this. You know, I wasn't in love with the art, but the whole idea of like, oh, she's she's going to be a hard traveling hero. She's going to go cross country and solving little mysteries here and there. And then all of a sudden, by the middle of the book, she's just there with her sister, who I, we we never knew about before, right? Secret like, sister. Miss something? It's a secret sister, right? Uh, she's her secret sister. Actually, is the first Robin. You Who knew? knew? Crazy. She's actually the first Mockingbird. Sorry, didn't want to screw up the universes there. Um, and, and now she's going to be at this resort where people are watching her, and things like people are getting maybe mind controlled, and or just like having their mind wiped and things are getting stolen from them, and then replaced with cheaper valued items so that maybe they wouldn't notice. Like the ringmaster
2: in the circus of crime.
1: Yeah. Right? There's a juggler there for no reason. <laughs> uh, see, I was thinking the, the villain was going to be arcade the whole time, but then it seems... It's a woman's hand? It's a woman's hand. That's what
2: threw me off, too, but I was like... What rich people are going to go to this exclusive hotel and be like? You know what was great about that hotel? The jungle. Uh, you mean not the little like playground?
1: Yeah, <laughs> the playground. Um, I but they have kids there because that's who's missing, right? At the end of the book. So the playground. I think for it's, the a kids.
2: Li- it's a lit. It's a Yeah, it's a little girl. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yeah, I don't know what to think.
0: I want I to enjoy
2: like, getting. I want to like it. I I wanted to like I it enjoy, more. I yeah. enjoy getting back into this world. I think one because we're watching the Hawkeye series, so I was like, hey, I'm, I'm I'm down for a Kate Bishop story, and it wasn't bad enough that I wouldn't read number two. But I wouldn't buy numbers.
0: I mean, I probably will because next couple of months are kind of light for comics for me.
2: And I think this is a well written version of Kate. See if you don't if you don't buy this and you buy the Robbins book. Oh, I'm flying to Florida.
1: And slap I'm, doing and and both, <laughs> I'm doing them both, baby. I'm doing them both I w- please don't do that, Chris, babe. Because by <laughs> him saying that he'll fly down to Florida, it's John will slap me as hard as <laughs> I he can. And he'll be like, "That's for Chris," because he knows that I won't slap you as hard as he just slapped me. But he was hoping that that power would be infused in my hand, and I would then s- somehow add to it. That it would be not how it works. I don't. Know, I I like. He does know physics. He says so himself.
0: I like it, but it's not <laughs> where I want it or need it to be. But it has. It has the levels there. Like, there's enough there that it works for what it is. Unlike Robins, which it had a great premise and started off where it was. Like, it just didn't deliver what I wanted that to be. Like, this is, yeah, this is Kate Bishop doing Kate Bishop things. And that's kind of enough for me. But I like that they're selling this as a five-issue miniseries. It's not, like... Number one and then two, three issues in, it's like, eh, well three of four, three of five. Like it's gonna be a short self-contained story. Like I might be okay with buying this art because it's a one and done. And who knows, like we'll see where Kate winds up at the other end of this, because you know, she's gonna be a little bit more high profile because she's got a Disney Plus show right now, which could possibly be leading into Young Avengers uh, in the MCU. And I like that because I like the Young Avengers and all of those characters. And I like that some of them kind of have little cameos in this when she's texting them at the beginning of the issue.
2: Yeah. I think you, you, you summed up my feelings to the book.
0: Paul, any other feelings? Or am I just that good?
1: You you, you summed up perfectly.
0: After that pause, I don't remember where we left off, but we got one last book to talk about, and we're heading back over to DC Comics for this one, because this is the much-anticipated by me, Gotham City Villains Anniversary Giant (laughs) number one. Um, This year, we're celebrating a lot of 80th anniversaries for a lot of the DC superheroes, and it also, it turns out we're celebrating villains' 80th anniversaries too. And I say much anticipated by me because this anthology got bumped back, bumped up, bumped up, back, bumped up. And I didn't know when it was actually going to wind up coming out, but it did come out in time to make it for our November look back. So we're going to talk about this one. And we've done a lot of these anthology books. So if you've been listening to us, hey, thank you. But if you haven't, we talk about every one of the stories in these, some a little bit more than others, because as with any anthology book or series, some stuff does need a little bit more discussion than others. Um, and I think one of the ones that we definitely need to discuss is the very first one in this anthology, which is actually a Penguin mini series, uh, not mini series, but mini story. Uh, But what sets this apart from any other Penguin story that you might have heard or read before is the fact that this one is actually written by Danny DeVito himself, the actor who played the Penguin in Batman Returns. Uh, I don't know if my eyes are clouded just by loving Danny DeVito, which was a main point in picking up this anthology because he was writing a Penguin story. But I really liked this one. Um, let, me, let me find the actual title page because uh, this one is called Bird Cat Love, uh, written by Danny DeVito, art by Dan Mora. And this is Penguin and Catwoman being in a relationship together and performing a heist for the greater good of mankind?
1: To solve a pandemic.
0: Uh, it's weird. But it looks good. It reads fun. The fact that Batman and, like, the Batfam are sitting in the Batcave, like, well, they just inoculated the whole world, so I guess we'll see what happens.
1: My own- I did like it during that scene that Batgirl and Nightwing are just kind of, like, in the background just chatting with each other, and everybody else is, like, watching the screen and everything. Like, I'm like, eh, ah, that tracks.
0: I... I don't know the basis for this one. How Penguin and Catwoman came to be in any kind seems of relationship? Like a pretty thirsty book. Because I, I mean, last time we read Penguin and Catwoman was in last month's uh, Catwoman Lonely City number one, where it seems like he's just trying to like get her to sell out to him so he can keep making money and she can just keep surviving. Um, but there. There's, like, weird kitty cat games between them. <laughs> I, I don't know. And the fact that, again, this was written by Danny DeVito, who I don't think has written a comic book before. I'm assuming he had some sort of assistance or help with the scripting of it. But it reads well, really well for someone that you don't associate with writing comic books. Does it read well? I for Danny DeVito to write your comic book, like I think this, this is better than Robin's. And that was written by Tim. Thank you. Putting in perspective, like I,
2: I, I really dug this one. I had fun with this book, and I was expecting this to be like what he thinks of right when those penguins drag him into the water. Like this is his fantasy for his last breath because he was coming on to Catwoman as the penguin in Batman returns. So it was like, okay, I don't know where this fits into continuity. And then when it ended or actually when they, they shot off the, the, uh, um, inoculation. When they did that, I was like, "Okay, That's so me. this is, this is happening now." Is this? So I, I was like, "Okay, so this is just fun story," and I really liked the uh, Catwoman costume design, really with the cutout underneath. Yeah, the I don't know. I, I don't know. I liked it. And I, I liked. I thought it was fun the two together. It looks really good too. The Dan Moore art.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, I know we've seen him on books before, but it just it looks great. Like he doesn't shy away from making Penguin like that short and stout bird crime like kingpin. Like it, it, it looks good. I really, I really dug it. Like. I don't know. Like it's a stupid story. Like there's really no reason for it. But it, it starts this anthology off strong. I think.
1: I do have yeah. to say I did enjoy that they actually had to use like 22 helicopters to move that amount of gold because that's the one thing like in heist movies where they don't really plan out how heavy money is. <laughs> there's only here in the United States. I don't know other countries, but here in the United States, the highest denomination of bill that's printed is a hundred dollar bill, and that is to count, you know, to try to counteract money laundering and other nefarious things, counterfeiting as well. Um, so in order to steal large amounts of money, you need to actually steal large amounts of paper. Paper? So, Paper's light,
0: but you get enough of it together.
1: You get enough of it together, it's actually quite cumbersome and heavy, and you there's a lot of it, so But then I'm like, wait, we need to finance this plan. And in order to do that, we need to do a bank heist. And they had enough money before the bank heist to like get <laughs> twenty-two helicopters? This is what I'm saying, Chris, with your, like, well, oh no, it's well deal. plotted. And I'm like, is it though? And then, do they ever use that gold for anything? Like, what's. That's, they bought that's that slush island. Funds, Paul. <laughs> they bought that island, but where did they launch the inoculation site from? Um, uh, um, A mountain Mount Washington? in Washington. Yeah. Mount Washington. Which is not named Mount Washington anymore, by the way. But, anyways, doesn't matter. There was stuff like that just, like, that drove me mad. I'm like, wait, what are they using the gold for? And then, what are they doing? And, huh? And they got this island? But why?
2: But then we get a scarecrow story.
1: <laughs> uh, scarecrow, uh, what's it called? And then he said, hey, Paul, this was written by Dan De- Danny DeVito. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. She wanted to bang Michelle Piper. That makes sense. Like, Whatever.
0: But we do get a Scarecrow story, Uh, and this is The Fearless Man, with art and story by Wes Craig. And Fearless Man isn't who you think it's going to be. It's Daredevil from...
1: (laughs) It's Charlie Cox. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: This one, not one of my favorites from it, but I did kind of like that... No, it's, it's focused more on Nightwing... As the hero in it, um, even though it's that early
2: 2000s, rah, rah, we're the people of Gotham. We're the- I don't understand why it has all the tie-in to uh, the Dark Knight. With the mutants? Because they have the gang, mm-hmm. the mutants, oh, they the have dark, the... Dark, the Dark
1: Knight Returns, um, yeah.
2: Dark Knight Regents, um, uh, Kate, uh, who's the Robin, Katie, is it Katie something? With Carrie. The orange. Yeah. Carrie? Carrie. They have her at the end. Yeah. Like, I have no idea why it ties into any of that stuff. That could have just been what Wes
0: Craig wanted to do with it, though. Like, where he kind of wanted to, like, allude to and draw from. Because, you know, as a, a reader of it. I, I liked seeing that kind of design with like the visor, sunglasses and then oh, I'm blanking on her last name, Carrie she was Robin, she became Girl and Dark Knight Strikes Back um, I, I don't know I, I liked it it's a better Scarecrow story than I expected to get and it's better than some of the other ones we get
2: later on with, like, the Mad Hatter, but why? So, Scarecrow's giving this whole big monologue about it, and then Dick Grayson shows up as Nightwing. He jumps into the center of all those girls, and then he says bow, and then Dick Grayson. Yeah, I, I, I can't explain this to you, and then everyone attacks him.
1: <laughs> yeah was like, you're going to be the champion for me. Now but, does he bow? But because now you die. The- what?
2: Yeah. Like, is it, does he bow because he sees all those girls that he's taken prisoner and he's like, oh, I'll do this. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. I don't know. But then he, he takes everybody apart anyways. Yeah. And then they have that scene at the end where it's like, what if we had no fear? Click to be free. And then carry. X. Yeah. Uh, so I just don't get it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't get it. Not my favorite. Uh, uh, and then you have the G. Willow Wilson um, Poison Ivy, which I don't know where the name of this story is.
1: But that's tying into.
2: Because uh, there is a Poison
0: Ivy series that's going to be coming out. Um uh, guys, so the, I,
1: the name is Carrie Kelly. Uh,
0: the name is the actual name, like Latin name of the the mushrooms, like the fungus.
1: Which? Oh, I'm sorry. No, I was talking about the Robin name is Carrie Kelly. Gosh, gotcha, Thank you. Uh, Ophio else Lamia. Think- uh,
2: written by G. Willowison. Art by Emma Rios. I I thought I, f- I found this book a little cheap. That it was like soon to be a story. Is it? Is this your first anthology I, like, you've read? Because I know we've read both. No, but we, we've we've read those before, and then it's like tying into this, and I find that annoying. Like I want my anthology to be an, a writer and artist coming together to tell a singular story. That I mean is just a fun little story and when it's just to placate an upcoming story I I don't like it I mean that's
0: valid but I think all of these do stand well enough on their own I actually really enjoyed the Poison Ivy one will I buy a Poison Ivy book I don't think so but if it's this creative team on it I'm more likely to pick it up because I really did enjoy this take on Poison Ivy I think it was extremely well-written. I absolutely love the way it looks. Like This is, I think, how you should draw a Poison Ivy book. Because it's drawing kind of like that lo-fi, like Paolo Rivera, Chris Somni, David Aha, Like, very, I don't want to say bleak, but everything's drawn with purpose in it.
2: And then there is tons and tons of detail, too. Um, And the coloring is absolutely fantastic. I would pick up an issue one of a uh, Poison Ivy story with these two people involved. Because I did enjoy the way that Poison Ivy was written. But I really love the art. And I would... Go and find other art, other books that this artist has done. And that's uh, Emma, Emma Rios, who's
0: new to me. We've, we've I've read something from Emma Rios before. I don't recall what it is. I will do that work while Paul gives his thoughts on it.
1: I got no thoughts on it.
0: Really? Nothing.
1: Yeah. Nothing at all. Which one is this the again? The poison ivy one. Oh, geez. yeah. Um, it seemed like a setup for the story that has been hinted at, and they've been talking about like for the longest time inside the Batman books that she's like infecting Gotham with the whole thing, and then she's like, "Oh, I can't, I can't think about this girl with the blonde hair because she's making me think, I guess, of Harley Quinn." Yeah. That's what's being And insinuated. then she kind of saves yeah. her. Yeah. I, you know, there's just, like... It feels so set up that I'm like... There's nothing to this story itself because of that. Hexed. Hexed
2: was one of the books that we read. You picked it for a uh, trade and policy. I'm sure I did. And, and then... Um, also, uh,
0: Captain Marvel. Uh, Captain Marvel, Runaways, Doctor Strange. So there's other stuff we've definitely picked up. I, I I really like this one, and I think this may have been one of my favorites from this book. Favorites not written by Danny DeVito. I'll put that little footnote in there. I, I really dug this one a lot. Um, Yes, it does lead into something else, but if this just ended as it was without the Poison Ivy continuing in 2022, like, I would still have the same feelings about it. I think it's just a strong Poison Ivy story as it was.
2: And then we get into a Red Hood, um, which sees somebody who's been wearing the Red Hood mask uh, with his gang members there who have tied him up and are ready to kill him. And he explains why they need the Red Mask and why they need him. Yeah, uh, for the and Sky is
0: Red, written by Stephanie Phillips, or by uh, Max Fiumara. Uh, not my favorite.
2: No.
1: It's the story of a this. legacy character without needing more of that Red Hood as a character. Because they're like, oh, you know, in the very first scene, uh, Pamela is like, oh, Red Hood, identity, unknown. And they're like, well, why is he calling him Hank? If he's a Red Hood, like, stop calling him Hank. He's supposed to be unknown. And then it's like, oh, he dies. And then we don't know who picks I, up the mantle of the Red Hood. I,
0: I do I like, like the... It's the typical, like, okay, Batman's on a scene, everyone needs to have a gimmick kind of thing, and yeah, the Red Hood's a symbol. So it can be anybody because we all give each other power. I like that idea. I think this book is well executed, but Red Hood's that legacy character that you didn't really know had a legacy, so I never really thought about it any more than just this, but-
1: Sorry, You're fine.
0: No worries. Um, I This one's middling for me. I like what it is. Did I need to read it? No. Am I glad or okay with the fact that I did? Yeah. Because it made me think about the Red Hood outside of just the fact that, like, oh, it's now the moniker of Jason Todd.
2: I had the moment where I looked at the table of contents and saw Red Hood and I was like, Red Hood story? I don't remember Red Hood story. And then I started thumbing through the book and found the Red Hood story and then I went, Oh yeah, that's a Red Hood story. Uh yeah, I I feel the same way as you Chris, like I'm fine that it was there. Did I need to read it? No. Did I it was an okay read. I I kind of enjoyed how it how it played out. This is the kind of story that I'm okay with being in an, in an anthology book. On the nose. Yeah. And I kind of like the perfect fit.
0: Hmm.
2: It's not... I See, I... Okay, I, you you introduce I, this one because I want to hear how you sell it to me. Uh, so this is The Perfect Fit by Dan Waters and Skylar... Uh, Partridge on um, pencils and inks. And this is Robin tracking down the Mad Hatter. And w- to finish my thought was, I like this story in the sense that Robin thinks he's got... He's got he, the Mad Hatter pen, <laughs> And he's... And he's in... Instead of being in this big building where... Blah, blah, blah is happening. He's at the building next door making himself a new hat. <laughs> and I like that. I like that idea of Robin going through all of this, having police detectives, having a SWAT team, doing all of this. And they keep showing him like he's got scissors and he looks like he's doing something menacing. And then he's just making a hat, a new hat for that himself. like albino rabbits. Ah. Yeah, it, I liked that idea of this. Okay, but I don't think it's I don't think it's well executed. I just think it's funny that he's making a hat for himself.
0: Uh, this story, and I don't think there's anything wrong with how it's written or how it's done, but this story made me realize. Mad Hatter's probably my least favorite of the Batman rogues. Because outside of this, I cannot tell you another Mad Hatter story that I've read. I'm okay with the Mad Hatter episode from Batman, the animated series. Because... Because Roddy McDowell does the voice and it's Not even that, but that's just like, okay, that's Mad Hatter. Like... After that, you don't need anything else from him because it's all going to be some sort of takeoff of that. Like, I'm going to kidnap a girl that looks like Alice and then force her into this world. Like, even, again, as a Robin fan, like, there was a Robin story years ago where he was abducting children because that's what he does. And even then, I was like... I don't need people to try to make Mad Hatter a thing. And this is the one. At the end, it ends with Mad Hatter's story continues in the pages of Arkham City, Order of the New World. Number one. I don't need to read that. I'm more likely to read Poison Ivy because that was a great take on the character. Mad Hatter. Nah.
1: Paul. It was creepy that he made somebody, like, bend himself into the, like, house at the very beginning. And then it's like, oh, this is going to be a really creepy story. It's going to have some weird... Things are going to get really weird here. And then it's like, no, he's just making a hat. Like, did you guys feel let down by that? Like, Not, not really. There was a the setup, and then the, there was no payoff
0: to it. Well, you get the payoff in... Arkham Understories, whatever whatever it was called. I don't know. Again, that's an anthology book story. Like, I'm okay with it existing in this. Like, I don't think I would pick up Mad Hatter number one if that was a book that came out. But I'm fine with having read that story in this. But, Paul, if there's one thing I know you love, it's a working man story. So, I think I want you to introduce the next one. Oh,
1: jeez. I don't have the page open, so I have no idea Uh, which story you're talking about until you remind me what I read.
0: Because, Paul, I can introduce it for you, because uh, next up, we are going to have the Killer Moth story. Oh. Uh, The Happiest Man in Gotham, written by Margaret Scott, art by Ariella Cristiana.
1: This is a story about Killer Moth realizing, you know, he's a C-plus student. Yeah, he was trying to be an A plus student, but the the whole curve has been ruined by the greats, you know, of the Joker, Two Face, Bane, you know. Like, there's no way he's going to become an A plus, you know, the greatest uh, villain in uh, Gotham. Yes, he was a billionaire. Yes, but he squandered his his money all on trying to be out Batman, Batman, and he can't do it. So now he's scraping by, just trying to do heists. And then, uh, while at the bar, drinking, because it's an anthology of villains, their 80th anniversary, I don't know, they have to have Harlequin in here somewhere, right? Like, so he meets up with Harlequin, and she quotes a line, and uh, he's like, you know what, yeah, that's a good idea. From now on, I'm just going to hang out, wait until another villain robs the place. And then, as Batman chases that villain out, I'm gonna go in and rob some more. And I'm like, "Yo, Batman would totally tell that some more stuff got robbed, right? Like, it's not like I he he wouldn't realize some more inventory is gone. He is the world's greatest detective."
2: But he's
0: distracted being the bat. I like the idea that, like, okay, you know, Joker's performing this heist while Joker's being chased by Batman. Killer Moth's dude that's just there, like, grabbing the bills off the street, shoving them in his pockets. Okay. And he he's very much like, yeah, it's not glorious, but you know what, it... It pays the bills. I I get to, like, do this, and I go home. I hang out, play video games with my cat. I don't know if you guys know this. <laughs> That's fucking right up my alley. I go to work, come home, sit down, crack open a beer, play video games with a cat. Killer Moth might be my favorite supervillain, guys. <laughs> I think this is the shortest of the stories. It's maybe only like four or five pages, but he is a marquee villain in the Bat Universe. If you go back and read the Batgirl Year One series that came out years ago, the main villain is Killer Moth. The pinup of it is from Batgirl Year One Number Five. I kind of like that scavenger, like, bottom-rung take on it, where... Mm -hmm. He realizes, like, you know, the fucking parrot that lives underneath Fred Flintstone's counter. It's a living. Like, it, mm-hmm. someone's there to, to do that job. And it's working for him. More power to him. Working class hero. Right here. Killer Moth.
1: Working class. Well, working, working class. Villain. Working class villain. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, But that's going to head us into the Demons game. The Ra's al Ghul story, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, art by Ricardo Fennici.
1: At this point, I was like, okay, this is an an 80th anniversary issue. Because I know that Ra's al Ghul wasn't introduced 80 years ago, right? Like, he's a 70s guy. He's
0: definitely like a Denny O'Neill, kind
1: of. Yeah. He's a, see, this is 50th anniversary at this point. I, I feel like that's when and they're kind of looking under that umbrella.
0: Again, Penguin references. Um, Gotham City villains, they kind of branched out a little bit. But he's not from Gotham. <laughs> I thought the same thing. I don't know. I was like, I, mm. I'm like, what? what anniversary is this? What are we doing? I didn't love this one, but I did like it because... Raish al Ghul is such a great Batman villain. Just seeing the two of them playing that game, Mm -hmm. literally, because they're playing chess against each other by passing off messages back and forth with which piece is moving to which square. I kind of like that, especially because this does lead into the Talia al Ghul story, which does tie into Leviathan, which is something that I think we all have enjoyed. uh, Which was going to spring into another question once we talk about that one. I didn't mind this one, even though I didn't love it. Once I got to the end of it, I was kind of like, okay, anthology book, it had a little bit of a hook, where it's not all-out stakes. It's not Ra's al Ghul trying to blow up the mm-hmm. world with Batman standing against him, and then it ends with this. It's literally just like the two of them talking in a room, playing chess, and that game continuing amongst everything else that they do. And I, again, anthology
1: story. I like that. I really like the art in it. It fit. I really like this as a Ra's al Ghul story. Like this is what I would want. This is a guy that's like treats Batman, you know Bruce Wayne, as an equal, as maybe a successor. He's going to challenge Bruce, and maybe will come up on top, but only for the short term. And Bruce Wayne will then find a way to you know outdo him, but at but with Bruce Wayne outdoing him race will then have like the response back, like okay, I, well, I knew you this was going to happen, and here you go. Here's my next. This is my next move. So, you know, and and the game continues. And that's what I want from a Ras Al Ghul story. Ras Al Ghul story, is that, aha, I got you. No, I let you get me so I could get you. You know, kind of thing, and. The chessboard kind of encapsulates that very well. So I enjoyed this. And then he leaves, like Bruce to be alone with his daughter, you know, on purpose, and then they chat. And then she's like, Well, I hope to see you again, but I know my father's definitely gonna see you again. So
2: Yeah. No, it was it was good. I, I I I enjoyed it as well, and like I said, I I really felt the art fit the tone of the book, or the tone of the story. Uh, And like Paul said, that takes us right into the last story, which is the Talia O'Ghul story. Mm -hmm. It asked a question that I didn't
0: know I ever needed the answer to. Who's Talia's mom?
1: She's Ash, Chris. It doesn't
0: matter, and who she your mom doesn't is. matter who your mom is. Um, I actually really like this one. Do I need to pick up the issue or crossover that this story is going to be continuing in? No, but I, I think I do like Talia as a character when she has that room to kind of. Show who she is going up against her father. I, I think I like this one more than the Rachel Ghul one.
2: Mm. I, and I can, I, see I think that. it's, I can, I can
0: definitely understand because that. it's just telling that story of a character that you already know and love. Like just kind of giving those glimpses into a backstory that you didn't know you wanted or needed. I, I really enjoy this one. This is probably my. Third favorite um, after the Poison Ivy, ooh, maybe fourth favorite because Poison Ivy, Penguin, as weird as it was, and then Killer Moth. I, I really dug this one. Just seeing her grow and became who she was in pursuit of being that, like Demon's Head.
2: Yeah, I I enjoyed this one again. Like you you said. I didn't know... I never even thought of who her mom was. Uh, and again, it's like, it doesn't matter. You're my daughter. That's all that... You know, basically all that matters. And I I do... I mean, again, it's... Batman the Animated Series is the only reason I know slash like Ra's al Ghul. Um, so, yeah, you know... I enjoyed both of these because those are both characters that I was introduced to with um, with the Batman animated series. And I enjoy, after that, continuing to see them in uh, in comic books.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I like the Ra's goal story a little bit better than this one. It's a cool question to ask. It's a question that should have been asked back in the 1970s. But <laughs> uh, you know who uh, Talia Gould's mother is. And you know who she should help ask, you know, help to figure it out. The listeners. Out. Huh? No, no. The world's greatest detective, the Batman. You know, she knows somebody that could probably help her figure it out. But the listener should definitely, uh, hey, if you got a, uh, it's the Golden Glider, right? It's Golden the Glider, <laughs> secret mother, right? That's the one thing I've learned from DC Comics.
0: It always ties back to Golden Glider.
1: Yep, or my uncle, Secret Mom. The Golden Glider. Name any other Secret Mom
2: in DC Stephanie Comics? Stephanie Brown, Granny, Granny,
1: goodness. Wait, Stephanie Brown has
2: a secret yeah. child. Yeah, oh. that's why she got kicked out of being a Robin. Well, also, that she that started a gang
0: war, which maybe happened. Yeah, I, I don't know. Probably the uh, thing. Power rankings, guys. Real quick, before we wrap it up. John.
2: Uh, I'm going to say Robin and Batman. Uh, my book, I can't think. Uh, Human think Target. target. Uh, Hawkeye. Then this and then um, the Robins uh, book. And I thought the Robins book would I was be like, ready to love that when book. When I saw that, I was like, oh man, I'm ready. And then I was like, oh my gosh, this is uh, awful. That was my pick for the list
0: the week it came out because all my favorite characters in one book. It should just make sense, but uh it's on the bottom of my list too. Mine's very close to yours. Uh Robin Batman number one, then human target. Gotham City Villains and then Kate Bishop
1: and then Robin's bringing it up. Hollow. Hey, uh, I gotta give it up to Danny Uh, DeVito. Gotham City Villains anniversary. Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito. Is that that what you call him? (laughs) I call him Danny DeVito. I don't think anybody's told him that. Because of this right here. (laughs) Oh, his feats. Oh. Yeah, because of Star Wars. Uh, yeah, so also because yeah, because he posts on like Twitter. Oh, his on, toes, like, troll foot. His toes all the time, troll feet. I
2: I thought that's what you're going for. Yeah, it was and then but then I clicked then on a thing you, as well because you know you what? You clicked on a thing to show a Tie Fighter flying by on uh, your picture. <laughs> it's just
1: confused, just as... confusing. It is confusing, just like the story he wrote. But <laughs> he's living on in the dream? <laughs> <laughs> They're in love. They're in love. He's curing diseases. He's, and nobody that's cares. Your, that's your number one Yeah, that's my number one book. Then Human Target. Then I'm going to go with Hawkeye, Kate Bishop, then Robin and Batman, and then Robins. Yeah. It's all very close. It's fine.
0: <laughs> it shouldn't be that close. It's but you know what? Hey, listener. It shouldn't be, but it thanks is. For, thanks for listening to this one, too. Uh, great reviews on your podcatcher of choice follow us on all the social media things email us over at bangboardcast at gmail.com uh we just love doing this because obviously who doesn't want to just read comic books and talk about them with their friends while they're drinking